If we have too much of a pause, we may lose them all. It's a tough assignment being the last speaker <coughs> on a uh, <coughs> on a full day conference at the end of it. Okay, thank you. But hopefully, um, I think I can work this. Hopefully, <coughs> we can share a few ideas with you uh, within the time that we have available. I think that the, um, the first point I'd like to say is that the financial services industry in the Bahamas, I think, is <clears throat> more responsible than any other segment or sector of our economy for the middle class. Um, if you look at all of the statistics, you will find that the average salary in the financial services industry is, is somewhere between 75% and 100% higher than the average national salary in other areas of our economy. Uh, it, it is a sector which more than any other helped to create the middle class and in my view helps to sustain the middle class. And so the subject today about looking ahead in terms of where we're going to be and, and what the trends are and how we can <coughs> protect us as our financial services industry I think is a very topical one. Now, <coughs> to begin with, I think that some of the issues and trends that we're going to have to confront with as an IFC um, are listed on that slide. In my view, there's going to be sustained pressure from major industrialized countries. I myself do not see uh, any diminution of, of, of pressure or, or control or interference, whatever word you'd like to use, um, coming from the G20 countries. And I don't see over the next five years that there's going to be a significant reduction in that activity. I think there's going to be increased cross-border activity. The world is going to become even more connected and smaller and IFCs are going to be expected to cooperate <coughs> more and more. As one of our other speakers said, the, the goalposts continue to, to move, in my view, and our reality as an IFC is that we are going to have to find a way of, of, of addressing the needs of our, of our industry within the context of a fairly hostile macro environment. <coughs> I think you're going to see more and more pressure for exchange of information, uh, one of my concerns here, and I've voiced this on many occasions, you know, is that as, as the IFCs and the international community move to meet the reasonable or sometimes unreasonable requirements of the G20 countries, it seems as if that does no more than embolden them to ask for more. And this is the point about the moving goalposts. Uh, with regard to the exchange of information, <coughs> I, I think that we have to be very careful about moving to an arrangement where rather than information on request there would be a requirement for mandatory exchange of information automatic exchange of information. Now I, I know that many of my colleagues do not think that that is a, a reasonable apprehension and I know that this objective or intention has been disavowed by many representatives on behalf of the international agencies. However, if you look at the past and you read the tea leaves it seems to me that all the indicators are that there, there is an inexorable movement towards higher levels of exchange of information that is going to be required by the IFCs. And as the major industrialized countries find that they need more and more of their tax dollars, which currently is leaking out of their economies for all sorts of reasons, I think we will see a more aggressive international community and we're going to have to face that reality. The other point I think is that we're going to see uh, heavy regulatory control and, and this I think is a real factor for the Bahamas. 
Uh, regulators, you know, um, and I know we have one of them with us today, <coughs> the regulators uh, are to some extent a necessary evil. Um, clearly, if any IFC is going to have a chance to survive in the international community, it's going to have to comply with international regulatory standards. I think the debate on that is long over, and there could be no question about that. What I am concerned about sometimes is the false option that is presented to us, where either you're a well-regulated uh, IFC, um, or you're a business-friendly IFC. And there seems to be this false option that good regulation cannot be compatible, or is not compatible with business development. And this is an option which I do not accept. Um, I think that the more experienced and the more competent regulators are able to do their job in a manner which is, which is satisfactory and, and compatible with international standards and yet at the same time help to develop business as opposed to discourage it. Uh, one, of, one of my concerns, uh, which I'll come to in a moment, is that we have too many regulators and to be perfectly candid, not all of our regulators are, in my view, adequately staffed either with regard to seniority and experience and competence and sometimes with regard to numbers of staff. So we end up, uh, and I'm sorry to put it this way, but because it's late in the afternoon I shall be blunt. We're playing regulation in many of these cases. These are not accomplished regulators. They don't have a track record of regulation. They've been put in a position uh, for whatever reason and, and frankly in many cases uh, the regulatory environment has been, I think, a serious impediment to the development of our industry. Now, I want to make the point, there are notable exceptions, right? but I think going forward, <coughs> we're probably going to see an increased emphasis on regulation, and it's going to be an issue that, that, that we here in the Bahamas have got to address. Uh, regulation is a, uh, is a sophisticated, highly complicated job, business, experience, profession. And not every successful business person, you know, or moderately successful business person can, can be a regulator just because he happens to be available and a position is open. Uh, the criteria for the appointment of our senior regulators is something which I think we have to look at very carefully. But we're going we're gonna, to, I think, have to deal with more regulation, not less. Now, <clears throat> I also think that there's going to be intense competition over the next three to five years intense competition both at a macro and a micro level. Uh, and by that I mean institutional competition and also jurisdictional competition. Um, in my view this is going to result in the consolidation of IFCs um, and in, in order to survive at the highest level you are going to have to be very good. If you're not very good at what you're doing then it, it, it seems to me that it's going to be more and more difficult to survive. For the Bahamas we've got <coughs> to be sure that we can emphasize our points of differentiation. We have to be very clear as an industry, uh, both at the public sector level and at the private sector level, both at the institutional level and at the human resources level. We've got to be very clear what the message is that we're sending and why, why is it beneficial to do business in the Bahamas. This is a message that in my view at times has been ambiguous, at times has been incoherent, and, and certainly it has not always been cohesive. Um, it seems to me that we're going to have to get better at developing our message. And I think that, that there is going to be an increased importance and in premium on client service. 
this is this is something which all of the, the market material is indicating to um, that, that those jurisdictions and those institutions which can provide premium levels of client service, client-centered institutions, client-centered jurisdictions are going to be the jurisdictions of choice. I think that um, in order to, to survive over the next three to five years, <coughs> uh, we, I think we are, in, I am encouraged by the fact that, that I don't see any serious threat to the survival of IFCs, generally speaking. This is an industry which, in my view, is not going away. It is an industry with notwithstanding all of its challenges and notwithstanding the very new world and platforms that we have to address. It nevertheless is a resilient industry and it will continue to be one. It is an industry which, in my view, <coughs> is, is going to survive for the foreseeable future. The only question is whether we in the Bahamas as an IFC will survive. I don't think the question is will IFCs generally survive or will the financial services industry throughout the world continue to offer opportunities for, <coughs> for different countries. The reason for that, uh, I've, I've listed a few of them, you probably know them very well. IFCs are way stations for the collection of capital for inward investment into the major economies, particularly the G20 countries. And also through the IFCs we provide tax competition. Now the ironic thing about this you know, is that when you look at the empirical data, it has been established statistically that the lower the corporate taxes in a jurisdiction, the higher the level of collection of taxes are. Uh, now, of course, at some point, that model breaks down, right? But it seems to be that the, the empirical data seems to suggest that if you're somewhere around 35 to 40 percent, uh, you are going to collect more taxes than if you're at 60 percent or, or higher. Now, the reasons for that are quite obvious, right? And that is that the higher, the higher your, your, and I'm talking about corporate tax, but the same could apply to income tax. The higher your tax rate is, the more you drive honest people away to look at options. At a reasonable level, business will pay those taxes. At an unreasonable level, you force them to look to alternatives. And this whole area of, of creating tax competition in the global economy is an important role that the IRCs play. Also, there will be a continuing need for wealth management and estate planning services. Fortunately for all of us, there's always going to be rich people. Um, and the indicators are that, that, that high net worth individuals and ultra high net worth individuals are actually increasing, not decreasing. Um, as the baby boomers reach the retirement age, they are going to be seeking advice you know, for their pension money and they're going to be looking to the financial services industry to, to be sure that they can invest and get returns which are adequate for them to live off throughout the balance of their life. So there's absolutely no indication in my view that uh, wealth management services of and by themselves is a, is, a, is a dying trade. I think quite the contrary. Now of course wealth has been moving um, away from some of the more traditional industrialized countries recently to some of the, the other countries, particularly you heard a lot about the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, you heard about the Middle East, um, and, and you probably know the statistics very well in terms of where the wealthiest people in the world are. Asia, of course, is, 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 is at the very top of that list, certainly some of the lists that I've seen. So we, we have to continue to look at different markets, but the fact of the matter is, the services which we all provide within the context of financial services 
is, is a necessary uh, service which I think will <coughs> there will be a demand for uh, throughout the foreseeable future. Now, in terms of the Bahamas moving home, um, what can we expect to see in five years' time? Well, I, I think it's all but inevitable, uh, and, and all of you will know this, that we are going to have to reform our tax base for any number of reasons. The WTA, EPAs, are just two of those reasons, but there are other reasons which are inexorably pushing us in that direction. Uh, five years from now, I, I myself doubt that we will continue to, to have customs tariffs. If it's not five, it's certainly seven. Um, and we're going to have to reform our, our tax platform. Uh, now, your guess is as good as mine, but it seems to me that, that we're moving towards a VAT tax, a value-added tax, um, which is, is something which is probably going to have to replace current customs duties. This is going to really transform our platform you know, a tax-neutral tax platform to possibly a low-tax platform. It seems to me that, that this is something which we might be able to leverage as an advantage. Um, it, it, it's certainly going to, to have an impact. Um, and I, I think it's, it's... If you're actually objective about our current system, it's, it's very difficult to support the view that there are no taxes in the Bahamas. Of course, this is not something we necessarily like to, to, to publicize, but, but you know, as persons who live here and work here, that we have any number of taxes now. We don't like to call them taxes necessarily, but you know what they are. Um, it, it, it is simply uh, untrue uh, to call the Bahamas uh, a jurisdiction without taxes. We have business license tax, we have real property tax, we have uh, transfer tax on properties, um, we have a whole range of, of taxes. There are casino taxes on certain um, casino operations. There's, there's a whole range of taxes that we have. But because we don't have income tax, because we don't have capital gains tax, and because we don't have inheritance tax, all of which I strongly support, we, we tend to refer to ourselves as a, as a tax-neutral jurisdiction. But the reality is we already have a whole range of taxes. And in my view, we're going to have to deal with a major reform which is going to introduce some form of direct taxation through a VAT or something similar. It seems to me that that gives us an opportunity to reconsider our business model. The other point, quickly, um, that I think we're going to have to address within the next five years is regulatory reform. Um, we have been addressing this, of course, for the last seven years, and it seems as though we'll never get to the finish line. Um, in, in my view, uh, I would hope that within five years, we would have a single regulator within the financial services industry. And, and, and in my view, all of the regulatory functions of the central bank should be stripped out, and they should be transferred to something like an FSA, right, together with the Securities Commission, together with the insurance sector, together with the service providers, together with all these other little regulators, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but with all this, this plethora of regulators that we have, all, of course, justifying their existence. Um, and while life has gotten somewhat better through the memorandum of understanding and through the physical consolidation of these regulators in a single office, and that certainly has helped, the fact of the matter is we, we need to complete the consolidation and we need to put this behind us. Um, the two models, you know, the twin pillars model is one model where you would have one regulator for the entire uh, sector 
uh, with the exception of, of perhaps the securities sector, which would have its own regulator, so you'd end up with two regulators. And the other model, of course, is a single regulator, uh, which would be responsible for the entire sector. I prefer the single regulator, but frankly, which I, whichever one we're going to do, we need to do it and get it behind us. In my view, um, regulation of the Bahamas now is a disincentive. Um, and in order to, to reform it, and in order to make it uh, much more streamlined, in my view, is not to compromise its efficiency or its, or its, or its, its efficacy at all. I am not advocating any diminution in regulation. I am simply reg advocating a reform in the regulatory structure. So we go from a jungle of regulators to a single rationalized regulator, right, who, which is responsible for the entire industry. Also, we're going to have to continue to find ways of cooperating with international agencies. And, you know, we're going to have to face the fact that over the next three to five years, due to the austere times that we're in, we, we, we in the financial services industry at the national level will have to accept <coughs> rather thin budgetary allocations to this industry. Allocations which, in my view, are inconsistent with the importance of the industry in the context of the economy, but nevertheless, that is going to be our reality. I think that, what do we need to do? Well, very, very briefly, um, we, we need to go back to basics in my view. We need to develop a national plan for, financial services, for the financial services industry, focusing on the new world conditions. Uh, we need to make sure that, that as an industry, and I mean both public sector and private sector, in a true collaborative process, sit down and make sure we understand where the world is today. The, the, as you know, this is a dynamic industry that we're in. The reasons for doing business today are very different than those reasons were even three or four years ago, much less ten years ago. Uh, it seems to me that there has to be a very careful planning session. Now, I understand that plenty of people look at planning and say, well, this is just another committee, just another way to waste time. And I'm rather sympathetic to that view. But let me say this. You can't really develop any sort of, of of solution to the current challenges that we are facing unless you do go through a planning session, a planning period, a planning process. Because it is out of that process that you will find your solutions. Um, now, I know that there has been uh, an element of that going on continuously through the government, through the Ministry of Finance, through BFSB, through any number of other agencies. In my view, this needs to be taken charge of, it needs to be consolidated under one single agency, and we need to develop, as I said, on the back of an effective and real collaborative process, a national plan for our financial services industry, which, which addresses the new world conditions so we understand the current climate, we understand the international trends, we accept the realities that we have to accept in terms of the global uh, exigencies that, 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 that face this industry. And we, we plot our course in terms of what we want to be, where we want to be, how we're going to get there. And, and then we develop a, a new business model based upon that national plan, which in my view results in, a, in, a, in what I would like to see, and some of you will smile and know me because this is one of my pet uh, issues, I would like to see a, a complete relaunching of the financial services industry after we go through this planning process and we develop our new business model, we relaunch the industry under a new flagship ministry. 
right, which, for the, which, which will recognize the importance of this industry to the overall national economy. Now, in, in this context, I have just laid out a, a, a simple structure um, that, that, of course, can be played with. I, my, my skills are limited. So, that director of financial services, I wanted to move that up above the Policy Advisory Council, the PAC, and above BFSB, so that those two agencies or those two groups would report to the minister through the director of investment services, but I couldn't do it. My skills did not allow me. So you're just going to pretend that that's up above. If you know, at, at 4 o'clock this morning, I was pulling out my hair. Every time I tried to move it, the whole chart disappeared. Um, but, but I hope you get a sense. Right? Key, key to this structure, and, and let me say, I know the time is, and just tug me when I have to sit down, I know the time is late, but I do want to make this point, right? because every time I've had this debate, both with politicians and leaders and, and, and my colleagues, they always say, well, you know, what's in a structure? You know, wh why are you so big on the ministry? Well, I, I, let me try to answer that at least partially in, in, in a minute or two. Right? I don't propose the structure for the sake of the structure, and the structure isn't really necessary to do what we have to do. However, I happen to know right, that as long as financial services is grouped together right, with, with scores of other issues within the Ministry of Finance, with no real champion right, who is accountable to the Prime Minister at the level of the Cabinet that sits around the Cabinet table at the highest levels of government with a single focus on the expansion and the development of the financial services industry, we will not get to where we need to be. This is a dynamic industry. We cannot take two and three and four years to move. We are a small jurisdiction. We need to turn our smallness into an advantage instead of it being a disadvantage. By being small, we should be nimble. We should be agile. We should be able to respond to market forces quickly. We should be proactive. The reason why I think a ministry is so important is because you're not going to get that dedicated, focused attention unless you have someone at a cabinet level who is charged with the responsibility of championing this industry. And I believe that very strongly. That's why I think we should have a Ministry of Financial Services. By the way, anybody who doubts that, after we finish, tell me why we have a Ministry of Agriculture. Right? If we don't have a Ministry of Financial Services. Right? Agriculture contributes about 3%. Right? And financial services is somewhere between 15 and 20% of our GDP. This doesn't make any sense to me. It seems to me that another key factor here is the Director of Financial Services. Right? This is, is in my view, this is to be a, 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 a highly qualified professional right, who needs to be paid a, a reasonable salary in order to attract the type of person we need. We already have the model. The model is the Director of Tourism. Right? You may recall that before the current Minister of Tourism was Minister, right, uh, he was the Director of Tourism. Right? And he was recruited uh, away from a private sector job at a fairly attractive salary, which the government had to decide to pay him in order to get him. Right? I think I'm right in that, Sean. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now, nobody really, I don't think anybody in the country doubted that the very best person Right, for that job was that individual. Right? But you know, as long as you said, well, he's coming in at this level and he can't make more money than the permanent secretary, you know, 
and the permanent secretary's been here for 37 years, you know, and this other person's just coming in for the private sector, so we can't, you know, these parochial third world arguments and debates are, are really holding us back, right? And I'm rather impatient of them myself. The fact of the matter is, we need, right, the best and most qualified, gotcha, the best and most qualified person, right, that we have to be this director of financial services. This is a pro. It's not a politician. The minister is a politician, right? Running this industry needs to be a pro, all right? And we all know that we have people, right, in, in our community who are well qualified for that job. And then you'll see that I just, uh, I just put a few boxes, because to me, if it's going to be effective, it has to be resource. We need an intelligence unit. In my view, we can use our embassies and our consular offices around the world right now, and our high commissions, right, as a source of acquiring information about this industry in terms of what's going on in other countries. Information, you could have a single officer, right, in, in these various diplomatic offices, passing information back to a small intelligence unit, right, who is who is accountable to the director, so we are getting intelligence about the industry around the world. Product development unit speaks for itself, all right, that's our bread and butter. Right now it takes us anywhere from two to five years to develop a product, right, that isn't going to make it. We need to be developing our products within six months. Marketing and promotion, obvious, all right, uh, a legal drafting unit, in my view, it's very difficult to compete with the Attorney General's office in order to draft your legislation because it takes too long. All right, you are competing with every other government ministry, every other government agency, and being a dynamic industry, we can't take that long. And I've also put in a unit for international cross-border unit, just to give you a flavor, right, of what I think a properly resourced flagship ministry would look like, right, in terms of relaunching the industry. And then, given that Andrew's telling me I've got a way, well, let me go through this very quickly. Regulatory consolidation, I talked about that. Australia Times, we talked about that, must innovate. You can't talk about financial services industry without talking about the need to innovate. All right? And of course, that's not something we're very good at. Right? But innovation has got to be uh, the, the, the watchword going forward. Better marketing for immigration. I wanted to make a little news today by talking about immigration, but I don't have time. Uh, but, but I can tell you now, I'll just say this in a sentence. There's a massive perception gap that we have which is really detrimentally affecting our industry. What do I mean by that? I mean the perception of our immigration policy at the moment is very different from the reality on the ground. And there's a gap between the two, and one's perception is one's reality. Right? So we have to address this perception in order to, to, to see whether or not we can better explain and articulate what our immigration policy is, and if we have time, you know, as, as a group of Bahamians and persons who are working here, we need to sit down and we need to be mature about this subject. Immigration is always a difficult thing for behaviors. But again, we, we need to get out of this third world that we live in. We need to be mature about it. We need to understand certain realities. I don't have time to say more about that. Uh, our technology platform is critical, right, in terms of where we'll be in five years. And for my, for my uh, personal view, without talking about the politics of it, I applaud the privatization of BTC. Right? I hope that this is the beginning. Right, of an enhanced technology platform which is going to be able to, to, to service this industry. Uh, our legislative platform has to be kept modern. Uh, that's not a one-time event, that's a 12-month-a-year process. Our productivity uh, has to be enhanced. Um, I was going to say more about that, but we don't have time. 
We need more effective and targeted marketing, and we need a dynamic management of the FSI, being nimble and agile, being able to to react to market forces. Um, We've talked about, I I mentioned briefly about the need for regulators uh, to be more experienced um, and to be more user-friendly without in any way compromising the integrity of their function and their job. And then we've got to try and leverage our expertise and, and what, I, what I talk about, what I refer to as our antecedents, which is really a very good pedigree in the financial services industry. We've been here for 50 plus years. Um, if you look at our pedigree, it's impressive. I'm not sure we, we market it as effectively as we could. We need to leverage it uh, in order to sustain our position in the IFS world going forward. Uh, thank you very much.